Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I've never told you this before, but I don't think I've actually told anyone before. I'm seeing my culture being diluted throughout the years. When I went back to Ireland after being in the UK for two years, I was in shock because I couldn't believe how racist Ireland was. He literally just banged my hand into the traffic light button and just looked at me and no one said anything. No one is going to pick me because no one's actually gonna like me. Like Not you who was bullying me about my lips getting lip filler. I'd be so frustrated and there were days that like I would leave the office, walk around the block and just cry. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I'll never, f- oh. I don't think anyone actually knows the struggle. I have a legend with me on the couch, guys. I've been wanting to get this guest for a very long time. One of my favorite Islanders. Like, this intro is going to be a long intro. Sorry, it's going to be a long <laughs> intro. One of my favorite Islanders. I'm so happy that she's with me, um, sitting right beside me, guys. We have the legend that is Yuande Biala, guys. Not the legend. The legend. <laughs> what I, an intro. Can I just say, Yuande Babes, guys. <laughs> Clap for you one day, babes! Woo! I'm so happy that you one day is here. (laughs) You one day, babes. Listen, all the way back in 2019, the OG. You one day, babes. 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 Baby, you one day is there. Sorry, I'm just so happy. I'm just. I've been skinning. I've been grinning cheek to cheek. Oh, what an intro. Woo, what an intro. Not me. Okay, let me shut up. But still, I'm just <laughs> I so happy. I'm smiling. Now. I know. I'm so happy that you're here. How have you been? I've been good. I mean, I'm alive. I'm kicking. <laughs> no, I'm you're saying I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been good. I you look you. beautiful. Oh, I love these little um, rings. Colorful rings, yeah. I Where are they from? <clears throat> um, I've no idea. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you put someone on the spot? <laughs> And you just go blank. That is me. I think I got them like for gifting. Um, so I'm not actually sure what brand it is. How has your week been? How's how's it's your been it's been good. I haven't really done much this weekend other than work. Just working. Um work meetings and that's it. Very boring week. I feel like my life isn't interesting. I feel like it is. I don't think so. I feel like your life is very interesting. <laughs> so I'm just standing. I'm partially standing here. This is somebody that I've, I've wanted from day one. Everybody knows that you one day was one of the first few people on Love Island when I started reviewing that I just genuinely loved you on the show from day one. And when you came out, and I remember you messaged me saying, thank you for supporting me. Yeah. And then I saw you at your event. I love him so much. He's actually like, oh, I can't thank you enough. You want to babes. This legend. 
What goes around comes around. And then your mum was there as yeah. well. And it's so funny because I think I've never told you this before, but I don't think I've actually told anyone before. But when I first came out, I was like so terrified to turn on my phone. So I did actually turn on my phone for two or three days. But what I did do while I was in New Yorker to ease myself was to go on YouTube. So right. YouTube was the first thing I did I typed in my name just to you know, <laughs> myself into life and your video was like one of the first videos <laughs> not easy in all my videos don't I? <laughs> your videos was the first the was the first, first few ones that i watched and i remember thinking oh my god because anytime you spoke about something i was like oh my god he gets it like that was so true like this happened it's exactly like right. this and it was so comforting and my mom absolutely loves you like i know she's watching this and i know she's gonna pause this right now call my brothers and sisters upstairs and be like <laughs> oh my god she's talking about me but like she loves this show like your youtube so much i don't know what it is with the mums what a waste man what a waste man what a waste man what a waste man oh my god the mums the mums i think yours was first as well and then i remember at your event a lady just tapped me on the shoulder. I'm thinking, who? Like, I turned around and she's like, I'm your one day's mom. So I was thinking, wow. Like, the mothers are really watching. Because normally, you know, yeah. like, I think parents, they don't watch YouTube like that. Or, like, they're not on it yeah. like that. They just watch their shows or programs on TV. Yeah. So, for me to see, like, ethnic parents watching or following or appreciating in any way was amazing. Yeah. Like, it was amazing to me. So, shout out to your one day's mom. <laughs> Big shout out, big shout out to you one day's mom. <laughs> big shout out to you one day's mom. So we've got a lot to talk about. I like, I wanted to just discuss a lot with you. Okay. And obviously you want to start off with your journey on Love Island. Okay. And when you came onto the show and everything, I just thought that even though you weren't there for a very long time, yeah. you were very impactful. Like, I feel like the theme of this podcast for me is, again, composure. I feel like you are very composed. I feel like you were very mature for your age at the time because it was 2019 now and 2022. And I feel like you did so well. So with your experience on the show, what kind of advice would you give? Because we, we've seen the lineup now for the new season starting tomorrow. What would you give to the ethnic girls? Um, well, in this season, it's just, it's just the black girls out OG. Line. What would you give as advice if you if they were sitting right here? I think I'd say don't think too much because right. I think as like someone from any ethnic minority <clears throat> group going on Love Island you feel like you have to represent mm. you feel like everyone, there's pressure there's a lot of pressure and I think it dilutes your experience because at the end of the day there's these other contestants who are only worried about having a great time right you're only worried about having like the crack and like mm. not really thinking too much about it and it's like if I could do it again or if I could give some someone any advice I would say just have so much fun right because apart from like everyone on the outside loving love island and it's a great show it's at the end of the day it's a great experience for you mm. you're never going to be able to live those couple of days weeks hours how many days you right. get on so it's like just like live and just i know live. it's so sad because they can't watch it but if you're going in and you're watching this youtube video or wherever if you're listening to the podcast just like just enjoy every single second of it. Don't overthink anything. Like everyone's not gonna like you. Nobody might like you. It might be shit, but you'll make amazing friends and just enjoy every. I feel like you, yeah, your journey to me was impactful. So I feel like that advice, that's why I thought I'd ask you that question because you're also an OG. 
Yeah. And OG guys, like I love Ireland OG. Sorry. <laughs> I love how you just clapped when I clapped. It's just so funny. I don't even tell him to do that. Um, sorry. Uh, but back to Love Island. That's not like your season was the best. Thank you. Like it was the best. So I feel like with the show, the other seasons that have come out, I don't think that they're up to par with season five. I think you, your journey was the best season. So if I went on season five, I'd be like, oh, well, like, I've, I've done it, babe. I've done Love Island. Sorry. <laughs> like, who's this? I don't know who you are. Sorry. Like, Love Island hasn't been that, whatever. There was um, just a few parts that I thought that you were hilarious. Like, I feel like you threw so much, you threw shade in a very effortless manner <laughs> and you're very composed. Like, when you brought Arabella and Danny together and you're like, to Danny, am I right or am I wrong? Like, mm, mm. Am I right or mm, am I right or am I wrong? No, did you did you that, not say I'm not trying to be rude because I'm no I'm not I'm not trying to be rude. That scene is hilarious, <laughs> and then on the reunion as well, like you just kind of just dragged him in such a funny way. So I first of all I felt like you were composed, but you brought such a good side to the way you reacted to stuff, and you were just funny with it. And the shade was just so like effortless. It was just like it rolled off your tongue. Like it was just so funny. Have you seen yourself back on the show? I've watched like little clips here and there on I've seen on Twitter, but I've never, I don't think I've actually watched the whole. Right. I think a lot of people bottom. say this. Cause it's so cringy. Cause you kind of like, I know what I've done. I was mm. there. I lived it, woke up, went to bed. I was there. So why do I need to watch so it? So why do I need to watch it? Would you, if they were like, apparently the executive producer said they want to do an all-stars, mm. would you go on that? I don't think they would. I don't see how it would work. I don't think they would because... See, you're very, sorry, I haven't dropped to you, but you're very, I feel like the comments you make, it happens. And I feel like one thing, for example... Ooh, not me speaking things. Into <laughs> really, really you do. Because I remember I did a video on this as well. Like after your season ended... Love Island Winter was announced. Yeah. And then you were like, oh, I, 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 I'm sure this was true, but I saw in papers that you said that uh, I don't see it yeah. doing what it needs to do. And that season was diabolical. Like I was in tears. <laughs> like I genuinely was in tears. It was just such a shambles. <laughs> so I feel like, I was like, oh, you only said this. So I feel like you have good commentary on future projects yeah. of the show. I don't think, um, I don't think it would work only just because if all the OGs were single, and some people weren't married or hadn't had kids, it maybe would work. Mm. But now it's like, the reason Love Island did so well was because it was like random people who had basic ass jobs, mm. who weren't special, went into this like bubble, found love in the most amazing, unique, like adorable way, right? And then now we're all influencers, celebs, or in the public eye, people know who we are. It's like, do you really want me to fall in love again when you know that I'm not going to be again. there for genuine reasons? Do you know what I mean? Like, if yeah. I, if, we, if anyone did Love Island again, it's it, it's not to find love, and we all know that. I know that. The people watching know that. Like, yeah. it doesn't make any. It sense. doesn't make any sense. I think it just sounds amazing. It sounds great because you want to see your favorites on TV again. Yeah, but definitely. Logistically, doesn't make any sense. We would all know <clears throat> what to do, like. Like it makes no sense. It, it makes, makes no sense. Absolute no sense. <laughs> Now that you put it that way, I feel like, you're, yeah, it makes sense the way you said it. Now, you wonder is an author. Not a published. Like. Author. Not a published author. No, I said like not a published author. Like, you know, the way, like not a. Oh, okay, cool. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, let me not make any mistakes or leak anything. No, I am. Before announcements. I, I, I was just thinking, her. I do not want to do that. I was just thinking. <laughs> Okay. 
She's a whole author, babes. Yeah, yeah. A whole author. And can I also say, Go no ghostwriters were involved. Because a lot of people can say that. And it makes me, I'm really proud of that fact that like, I can literally stand and be like, no, every single word in that book mm. was written by me in my bedroom or in my publication house office. Interesting. Yeah. Before we go into this book, the link for the book will be in the bio below and it will be the first link to be seen. Aww. Just want to let you guys know that. So, and it's available to pre-order when? It's available to pre-order now. Now. And pre-orders are so important for an author. So please pre-order the book. Buy that book, guys. <laughs> Reclaiming, pre-order it now via Amazon. The link is below in the video. Just wanted to put that there. So in terms of inspirations for this book i feel like you know there were some experiences on the show as well where we had an individual who would refu refuse to pronounce your name in certain ways and other individuals who would you know their reactions were very weird to me giving flowers as a person with a very deep voice i'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns but a deep voice doesn't sell b2b and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell b2b either that's why if you're a b2b marketer you should use linkedin ads LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And whatever, none of it made sense to me. Yeah. Um, so I feel like when he spoke about that, again, very composed. Yeah. You were very much this is what happened, I'm gonna talk about it, case closed. And I feel like you've spoken about it very clearly so we don't need to really go into that. But with that whole experience, how did that really influence you when it comes to your book, Reclaim It? I think when I put out that statement, when that incident happened, it was, it was something that I had to, cause I know I'm, I'm someone who likes to think a lot before I speak. Mm. And I'm very careful with my words. And maybe that's why I come across sometimes as very quiet because I observe a lot. Um, yeah, I, I don't speak very quickly. Yeah. I take my time and I think first. So with when I put out my little statement, it was something that I actually wrote like during the night. And it was something I really thought about. 
I analyzed the statement mm. and then I put it out there. And it was so important for me not to include anyone's name in that statement because for me, it was a conversation that needed to happen. It was like, I went through an unfortunate incident and this is why I'm speaking about it. But as a society, when it comes to like racialized renaming, ascribing people nicknames or, you know, dismissing names that are not like, eurocentric or not normative names right we don't tend to speak about it and as someone from like an ethnic minority with what people would think is a complicated name i've had names ascribed to me i've had people mock my name because of it and um, and it's something we never really speak about we just kind of normalize it and it's really sad because the way i see it is i had so many incidents growing up of people mocking my name or ascribing me nicknames that like i started thinking that i remember i said to my mom when i went home i was like no when i have kids like i'm gonna give them normative names and european names and it's really sad because what you see is dilution of culture mm. and it's just really sad because it's kind of like i'm seeing my culture being diluted throughout the years and it's, it's like lot, right? we need to speak about it like it's a bigger issue and people don't really see that um so i wrote an article for the independent and which was fantastic yeah a lot of people fantastic. like loved it, it was a great and i never seen myself as a writer i loved english in school um never seen myself as a writer i think when you're from a nigerian background stem is the only thing that is offered mm. to you um it's my only option <laughs> do you have anything else and i loved english but i never seen writing as a career or journalism or anything like that um so when people said to me no you're a really talented writer I couldn't believe it. I was like, what are you, What even is a talented writer? Um, and then I wrote another article on colorism for The Independent. And again, that was amazing. They said right. like, the numbers were great. And I was like, okay. And then I started having meetings about book deals and- One after the other. Yeah, one after the but other. But this is the thing. I think you said you don't feel like a writer, but yeah. well, like, when you're speaking from your chest yeah. and your heart and yeah. you're like, you're not faking any of this. It's yeah. your genuine experiences. Yeah then the pen is just going to flow mm. and the ideas will just naturally come out. So yeah. in those articles, it was only a matter of time until you came out with a book. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, yes, these incidents, of course, Love Island isn't just the one incident. I'm sure you've had incidents similar to this throughout your lifehood, yeah. as you know, many ethnic people do, black or brown or wherever people are from. And I feel like it all just kind of influenced you. And that was just another incident. And I feel like you responded great to it. Fantastic. And I feel like you've used that and if you've brought out this amazing book and now you're going to obviously help other people yeah. especially young individuals who are going through institutions yeah. and you know they can read this and they can be very much inspired by it yeah. because it's coming from it's just truth like it's just genuine like people can tell it's truth mm -hmm. so i feel like you responded to that great and you've from that you've also you've created such a beautiful form of art and it's felt like it's been a while since you, you've been writing this yeah but you don't rush art yeah. You don't, but when you have a deadline, ooh. Ooh, not the deadline. Ooh, not the de deadline. deadlines are walking my ass. So I started, I started writing officially in July. I got my book deal. July um, last year. July so last I got year. my book deal in, I think I want to say like March, but I don't think I announced it to like maybe like May or mm. I think around May time. Um, I started writing in July and it's so funny because even some of my friends would say, yeah, well, but how do you start a book? Like, like how, no, we know how you, how you write, but like, how do you actually start? Like, how does it form 
into like chapter right. and then paragraph and then a book. And it's a lot, man. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it was it was hectic because what we, what would happen is I'd go into the publishing house and we had to agree on what chapters would actually even go into the book. And that actually took a lot of time. And even writing the book, I would like sit down in the office and spider diagram, basics, spider diagrams. I'd ask myself questions like, how do I want the readers to feel when they mm. read this? Um, what notes do I want them to pick up? How do I want to sound as an author? Um, what points do I want them to take away? And I'd ask myself those questions over and over and over again. And when I had the answers, I jot them down and then I think of structure. Right. And then I think of monologue. What monologues am I going to include to make my point? Um, how can I make this more personal? Mm. And then I would write my chapter around that. And usually I think most authors would hand in a, a draft of a full finished book. But what I did was handed in essays of each chapter because I was a first time writer and I didn't know if I was, what I was doing was right. Can you imagine finishing the book? And then my editor is like, no, uh, no. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? So I handed it to in my chapter. Okay, yeah. that makes sense so that you're taking it. And then it formed it. into what it is now. Into a, a beautiful, a, a beautiful book. Like your whole published author. I can't believe it. That's crazy. I know, isn't it? That is crazy. Who you were doing your. I feel like you're science. You're scientist as well, correct? Scientist, yeah. published author, content creator. Like, what can't you and they do? Astronaut. No, <laughs> not, an okay. <laughs> not an astronaut. Not you flying to the moon? <laughs> not you flying to the moon? Next year, family one day is flying with NASA. I'm. I'm talking about it now. No, I'm joking. But like, I just feel like you could do. It all. Uh, and of course, you one day gave me an exclusive. I did. She sent me an exclusive to her book. And I felt like that specific chapter, it was one of many. Mm -hmm. But there were so many different um, like scenarios that people can relate to. Yeah. So you spoke about, you know, your childhood and growing up in, like, in, your, in your primary school. And people were like, oh, you know, why is your nose this wide? Are your lips this this? And that's when you first start questioning stuff. Yeah. When you're such a young child. And yeah. it's just like like subconsciously Ingrained. it grows such bigger as well as consciously and then you spoke about um you know when you're at the hairdressers and you your instagram and the kardashians and then you also spoke about at, at, you know when you're at these influencer events and that somebody's talking about black fishing and they're saying i can't believe i did that <laughs> so and i'm just like really like <laughs> like really like there is so i remember even i saw this like um asian girl south asian girl she did a tiktok and she was like oh people say i, I look like kylie jenner uh, i have my face kylie jenner bought it so and you know and you have a lot of white girls specifically who have changed so much that you just think that that's how they look like but that's not actually not true yeah and it's actually where they get this from black and brown girls and it's just crazy how there was so much to relate to in that chapter yeah so beautiful thank you absolutely beautiful especially when it comes to the primary school stuff because that is what hit me as well because yeah. when you have kids that say stuff to you oh you look like uh, why do you like my for that my nose was too big or something like that you just really sit in the mirror and you look at yourself yeah and you're just like why am i not the way that other people think I am. Yeah. So what like in terms of writing these chapters, was it difficult for you to do that? I think it was funny because when I started writing, my editor was like, oh, if you ever need someone to talk to or you feel like you need mm. to put yourself in therapy, let me know. Right, because it's a lot, And man. I laughed. The first time I laughed laughing? and I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like, it's not even that deep. And the minute I started writing, I was like, no. 
I was like, no, I, I, I definitely need help mm. because I think as a writer, you really need to, especially when you're writing nonfiction, you need to sometimes live those experiences back again because you've to write about them so vividly. And sometimes you think you're healed and then you find out you're really not. So mm. even with some of my chapters, for example, mental health, which I know you haven't read, is probably one of my most open chapters in the entire book. Like even reading that chapter back when I was even correcting it or editing it, I would just cry the whole time. I could not read that chapter without crying. Um, but I think as an author, sometimes you need to give your audience that vulnerability. I feel like you owe it to them. There's no point about talk there's no point talking about mental health, body image, colorism, things like this and not being open. Mm. It's like what what are you writing about? But right, it must have been very difficult to be vulnerable when you're reserved. Yeah. As a person. Yeah. But I find it funny <laughs> because even though when I was writing, I felt like no one was going to read it. Because when you're in your room and you're in the office and you're writing and only your editor is reading this, you don't ever think that anyone else is going to read it. Um, so I think I was. it was easier being open because it was just me, my laptop and a blank piece of paper. And that, that was it. So it was easy to do that. And because I was in therapy. Right at that time when I wrote my whole book. So the whole time I was writing my book, I was in and out of therapy, made it a little bit easier to open up. Um, but now I find myself like in my sitting room, laughing to myself or being so anxious now because I know that like the book is going out in a couple of weeks and it's like, shit, like people are gonna read this. It's actually coming, <laughs> it's actually coming to that point now. Yeah, and it's scary. So how, I'm moving a little bit away from the book, but we're gonna get back into it, but how was, because you growing up as a black girl in Ireland, yeah, how the hell was that? Like, you know what? Was it as difficult as people think, or was it as not easy but not as bad as people yeah. make out to be? I think it's so. I'll answer it in two parts. While I was living in Ireland, I didn't think it was as bad as it was because I think okay. it's all I knew. So I'm living in this place, and that's that's all I know. I don't know anything else. I've never lived anywhere else in my life, so. I can just tell you from my experience that like, yeah, there was obviously racism, but it's all you know, right? Um, but then when I moved to the UK, and of course Ireland is not as diverse as the UK. Right. So when I moved to the UK, um, it was it was different. There was more diversity. When did you move to the UK? Um, 2019. Okay, post-Love so Island. When I, yeah, so post-Love Island, moved to the UK, more diversity. Obviously there is still racism, but... right. It's 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 a different type of a softer race. cushion. It's just, yeah, yeah. We'll put it that way. And when I went back to Ireland after being in the UK for two years, it was I was in shock because I couldn't believe how racist Ireland was compared to the UK. Because I'd been living in it and I didn't know anything else, it was it was all I knew. Mm. But when I came back here and I went back, I was so I like I remember I couldn't believe it. Like it was just the subtle microaggressions that like I wouldn't necessarily notice before until I left and came back. Like I went to I went to a friend's wedding um about two months ago and I was sitting down with all my friends who I went to university with, like we lived basically together for four years and we worked together post uni. And it was um it was things like, Oh, you would only know if you were Irish or yeah, but this is what Irish people are like. And I 
I just sat there and just thought, well, I've, I've lived here all my life. Like mm. I would have thought that I was Irish, but here are my friends, like my actual friends, sitting down, looking me in my eye, saying, you would only know if you were Irish or this is what Irish people are like. And I was, I was taken back because I mightn't have noticed these things. If I, I don't think I would have noticed if I didn't leave and come back. Mm. It was different. It was like a different, it was a, the microaggressions were just different. And even the racism, it was like, I don't know. It was like, I'm, I left and just came back and it was like more racist. Like yeah, I was like, at a traffic light, minding my own business, pressing the traffic light, waiting for the little green man to come on. And some guy literally just like, he literally just banged my hand into the traffic light button and just looked at me and no one said anything. In another incident, I was minding my business in city center. I had like bags, I was shopping and some guy just pushed me and no one on the street said anything. Like everyone was just minding their business. Wow. And no one I hate that though. said, I hate are that. you okay? I hate that when no one around Nobody. But I was in shock because it's like, these things never happened before I left. And I was like, am I just noticing it now that I've left and I think moved, so. moved back? Like I knew it was racist, but oof. I think because of the different settings and you're just now comparing them. Yeah. Because obviously you, you went to London and then obviously you come back and you visit your family yeah. and so forth. And yeah. you see it because that must have been crazy. Because my upbringing, uh, like, it's interesting because everybody in my primary school, they were just a different colors. Everybody was just different colors. And then in my secondary school, Everybody was Nigerian <laughs> or Ghanaian yeah. um, at best and you know, some Caribbean there. So that's just what I grew up with. Mm. And then when I went to college, you know, the majority was white. And then I saw that kind of, you know, I had those issues. Um, but um, throughout, it was just the ethnic complete. Around, and I feel like there's a lot of Nigerians in London anyways. Yeah. But it, I just find it interesting when I have friends or people that grew up in either Kent or grew up in Ireland or up north and they're from a Nigerian Ghanaian background and they just talk about seclusion or isolation or we didn't have that many people that look like us. And I'm just like, in where I went to London, everybody, it's just so interesting how it works. No, and completely different. It's when I was so different. School, I was the only black girl in my school. See, that's mind blowing to and me. And then, yeah, and then like during the last year of primary school, someone, another black girl moved into, but she wasn't even in my class. That's, that was my primary school. I mean, obviously it's Ireland and London. It's not really mind blowing. But like, but <laughs> I'm yeah. saying mind blowing like that, but like it's just interesting because, like, for example, how I like one of my peers when I was a young child, when I was a young kid, was a young black girl, and she taught me how to read. Mm. And I was helping her to read, and there were like at least like half the class was diverse. So, growing up in London as a as a child is very different yeah. as somebody who's ethnic and growing up somewhere else, obviously. But when you actually just talk about it, yeah, it's so interesting. I find it interesting how it went from like overt, no covert racism when I was growing up and then now being older, it's more overt. Like yeah. I don't, I, I'm still trying to piece together how, how it happened. It's very covert because I remember I went on a internship uh, um, working in psychi um, psychiatric hospitals, um, part of my degree for, co for cognitive neuroscience. And I went to work in, in Sri Lanka and uh, there was a group of us, the majority of them were white. Um, I think they all were apart from me and this one brown girl. Now everybody thought that me and her were intimate. <laughs> everyone thought that me and her were intimate were having sex or something <laughs> and i'm just thinking the, the higher reason you're saying this because we're just both brown yeah yeah and you paired us together out of the yeah. group of white i'm thinking and it was just very covert because if i was white you wouldn't be saying that at all and it's just interesting when you look back at it so that's why it's like there's one way of you writing your book 
but then another way of writing a book is that you're probably rehashing memories mm. that you've obviously been through that were quite significant and then it just brings a lot of like emotional turmoil in any kind of way that you express but that's why it just like you just rethink situations that you went through thinking hang on a minute yeah that shouldn't have happened yeah like it's very interesting and then the racialized renaming stuff in in college people it was like oh marad is too long can i call you moo am i a cow <laughs> like am i a cow guys i like i don't understand I, like we're not on a farm <laughs> like oh you know can, can i call you moo and they would just call me moo or like moo moo or something like thing and i'm thinking you've now turned my name into moo moo which is probably like five six letters anyways yeah my name is if you could pronounce daenerys targaryen <laughs> <laughs> game of flipping thrones you know how to pronounce my name that's what i always used to think but i realized that they had they wanted to pronounce those names on those shows mm -hmm. but they don't care about yeah. ethnic names yeah so they just they just didn't care yeah and the disrespect is crazy yeah the dismissal i like i never really got it because it was i think it was like obviously now looking back and being able to break it down it was more about power control wasn't it right because like you're a you have that power in telling me how i want to be addressed and every time you address me the wrong way or you make fun of my name you know how that makes me feel right and then there's always that smile when they say it wrong or they call you the wrong name or ascribe you a nickname it's always done with like this smirk yeah they laugh after because they know what they're doing and they have that power in how you want to be addressed it's just crazy because I never used to correct people. Mm. I don't know if you did. I did. I never corrected people growing up. I just thought that, okay, I don't want to cause a fuss. Yeah. Call me what you want. It is what it is. Yeah. Like, whatever. But I never did. So, it took me time, but like... Right, now now I do. Yeah. Like, people say, oh, Mu or Murad. I'm like, no, my name's pronounced Murad. Yeah. That is it. Yeah, End I think discussion. secondary school was when I think I put my foot down and said, no. Every single time someone got it wrong... I wouldn't even get angry. I would just correct them every single mm. time until they got it right. Interesting. And that you, did you receive, did people listen to you? Or there were you? eye rolls. Right. <laughs> there was definitely those eye rolls like, yeah, whatever. Like, I know what, do you know what I mean? Like, let's just keep moving. But like, I think being Nigerian, sometimes you just have no shame. Right. <laughs> like Nigerian sometimes actually have no shame. Like, I didn't care. I was like, <laughs> Sorry, like me yeah. not wanting to cause the fuss. Listen, <laughs> you will do but, as I told. Yeah, but if you don't correct people, they'll never change. They will. So it's up to you. It really is up to you. It was, and then other parts of your book when you said, "Oh, you know, you're staring." There's, I feel like your book is very relatable. See, this is the thing. When I, I remember being in a meeting with my agent, and one of the questions she asked me was, "Who's your book for? Who are you writing for?" And I said, "Everyone." And she looked at me and she was like, you can't write for everybody. And I said, no, I think I'm writing and you'll you'll see it in the other chapters. I said, no, I do feel like I'm writing for everyone. Reclaiming, I think a lot of people think it's for like um, specifically the black community, which it it, it is. But right. I think reclaiming is for everyone who has ever lost a tiny bit of themselves. Um, who have been forced into normalized boxes or boxes they feel like they don't belong in. And I think in everyone's life that has happened at some point in their life. So I think reclaiming is for everyone. And I'm so happy that you think 
that it's relatable because it's really so relatable, especially that scene when you were at the hairdressers and um, looking in the mirror. Looking in the mirror. That's <laughs> what I used to do all, all the time. Like, like as a hairdresser, not, my, not as a hairdresser, but obviously when I was getting my hair cut or something like that, and like you're, they're cutting your hair. I know it's obviously our experiences are going to be very different. Yeah, I, can, I would like to think so. Yeah, let me get in a lace front or something. <laughs> Help me get in a trim, a fade at the side. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I feel like I'm sure it would suit you though. No. I feel like I'm sure it would that, but ooh, child, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, not the fact we're laughing about this, it's so funny. But I used to just look in the mirror, like when they're cutting my hair or whatever, I used to be like, I, I have always felt like I'm not, I'm not good looking enough. I don't know. Really? Yeah, I've always thought that. I've always thought, not just being a therapy session. <laughs> But like, I've always thought that I'm like ugly from day one. And I feel like it's not because, it's because we, you know, you see these models growing up. I know as a man and as a woman, it's very different. Mm. And as other, you know, um, communities that are going through it. But you see these like models on like Top Man back in the day and everything like this. The majority of them are white and whatever. And you just don't feel like you look like that. Yeah. And you don't look like what is normal growing up in a country like um, London, even though London was very diverse um, in England. Sorry, London was very diverse. You still always have that. So I always should think to myself and even now. And it's interesting because growing up, you know, oh, you're not attractive. Or you're not deemed attractive, whatever. And now I do get a lot of attention. I can't lie to you guys. <laughs> I cannot lie. The attention I get is absolutely mad. Love that for you. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Just to my own horn. But the attention is actually mad. But even though I get a lot of attention, I don't acknowledge it yeah. because of how I was when you're treated as like oh you're not good looking enough or you're ugly or this this that and you're comparing yourself to what actually is deemed beautiful yeah. and then you suddenly get attention as you get older you don't process it yeah. and it just doesn't I'm just like sorry like okay if someone's looking at one ear out the other I mean it goes in that ear <laughs> and I love it but as in, as in, it goes out the ear and I'm just like so that's why I thought like your book was so relatable in so many even it's just one chapter and I'm still talking about it <laughs> But the, the, the layers of the chapter was cr like crazy when you're staring about this and you're talking about the conversation that you overhear from other hairdressers talking about, you know, wanted to get BBLs and stuff like this and how people shouldn't be doing this. Like people overhear stuff like that. So it's very, very relatable. So you should be very, very proud of yourself. Thank you. It was a great chapter, especially when it comes to the BBLs and the Kardashians and how much they have changed society especially on instagram mm. like i was in dubai recently and i saw guys with bbls oh yeah well i've seen a few i've yeah. seen a few as in one cockroach <laughs> and you're going into the damn taxi and i'm thinking and they were really struggling to get in the taxi as in they were holding onto every bar of their life to get in there because their rear end was huge and i'm just thinking i don't understand it but you know each their own yeah but crazy and especially as a girl as a Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia 
gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Black girl, it must be even more pressure. Yeah. So how did you deal with that when it came to coming out of Love Island? Because... You came out on the biggest season. Mm. No other season has been as big. So the pressure is even more. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you're getting deals or you're going to these shoots or you're, you know, these, you're, you're getting clothes for lingerie stuff and you're going to photo shoots, which was also in your book. Yeah. How did you and how are you coping with that? I think kind of like you said, like growing up, I never felt like I was pretty. Yeah. I never felt beautiful because never. I never seen myself mm. like i never seen myself represented ever you know there's always these magazines with like you know the world's most beautiful woman and it was like always like some mm. blonde hair blue eyes type of a girl so i never and obviously growing up in ireland where there wasn't a lot of black people so there wasn't enough representation anyways i just never thought i, I was pretty um so going on a show like love island was actually so challenging because I went in and I told my friend, and I even told people in work, I was like, I will be back tomorrow. Um, because tomorrow. No, <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> because no one, no one is going to pick me because no one's actually going to like me. Like I had already like prepared myself. And even before you go on a show like that, you have like therapy sessions. And one of the questions they asked me was, what was your biggest fear? And I said that no one will like me, but I kind of already know that so i'm dealing with it now as opposed to dealing mm. with it while i'm on the show right and six million people watching and it's really sad because i feel like a lot of black people and a lot of ethnic minorities kind of go through the same journey with body image and um, growing up well i still do have big lips but I feel like I grew into my lips. Mm. If you seen me 15 years ago, I feel like my lips were my face. Like mm. my features were so prominent because I was I was still growing up. I was still a baby and having to deal with like the bullying because of my features, the same features now that are being stolen. Right. Um it was something that was interesting to me. You know, I think people started getting fillers probably about like seven, maybe eight years ago. Yeah, that was around the starting point. Yes, a couple, seven, eight years ago. And it was mind blowing to me because I remember thinking, not, mind -blowing. not you, <laughs> not you who was bullying me about my lips getting lip filler. Right. I was like, not this. Um, but I think obviously taken away from that, there is like a serious issue with body image, um, black fishing, um, 
and also surgery. And I think I said it in my book that like, even I talked about like fat phobia um, That's, yeah. in my book as well, because I think growing up, I used to watch shows like The Swan, The Biggest Loser, and um, all these makeover shows. And from a young child, I was indoctrinated with this idea that thinner was beautiful. Oh yeah, the biggest we, loser. We, that's what we watched. That that's, name. That's all we seen. That name though is Isn't mad. This, that would never run now. The biggest loser. That would loser. never run now. So the less weight you lost, you're, you are the biggest loser. I think that was the aim of the show, right? Yeah, I think it was. You had to lose. Anyway, I think you were given like a target every week. Yeah, I used to watch that show. And you had to, I love that show. Wow. Yeah, I used to and love that, that show. Crazy. And all these makeover shows. And I can't remember their names, but like they would undergo like so much surgery, like lipo, like dental work, like implants. And it was so they could be beautiful, mm. the acceptable, you know, what we accepted as beauty back in like the early 2000s. And it was like, that's what we seen. That's what I grew up with. That's the type of beauty that I, that people told me was okay. So growing up with that and not knowing that you were internalizing a lot of issues about mm. body image, when you now as an adult you have to learn how to unlearn those things and i think a lot of people are scared to to really look in them look within themselves it's a lot to unpack and like dismantle a lot of things that they've learned and even talk about their own fat phobia hmm. a lot of people don't want to they don't want to and especially in, in book, medicine yeah yeah and a lot of doctors as well like, yeah I know quite a few that are like you go to them, if you're overweight, they'll say lose weight. Yeah. That's and that is it. That's it. And a lot, yeah, it's, it's a big conversation that we have to have. And I don't think, I think we're only touching the surface with fat phobia. Oh, absolutely. I think we've barely absolutely. even gone into it. Like even with the normalized, normal bodies movement that I also kind of touched on in the book as well. It's a, it's a huge conversation. Body dysmorphia is crazy. Absolutely crazy. For women, it's even more crazy like and i can't speak for your experience or as a woman's experience but yeah. for a man's experience like every, when i go on my discovery page on instagram every single one is jacked out to a whole new level <laughs> it's crazy because our parents weren't looking at stuff like this oh absolutely not my dad has never been to the gym yeah, same you know <laughs> and the thing is my dad you know he wants to go to the he, like we want him to go to the gym and just same. be active <laughs> But you can't help someone who doesn't want to help <laughs> themselves. And, you know, he does smoke a lot, et cetera, et cetera. And you're just like, you should go at least once. Yeah. But just like, for health. Just for health reasons. Yeah. Or, or do something physically fit where you're active. Yeah. He just doesn't want to do it. So yeah. you just can't force someone at this point. <laughs> you actually can't force anybody. What was I going to say? The uh, question's got out of my head. Just body dysmorphia. There we go. Instagram yes. page. Yes. Oh, come on, notes. <laughs> <laughs> You are giving hair today, by the way. Really? This hair is beautiful. Thank you. It's actually beautiful. I came in, she was combing it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Rapunzel, let the hair down, baby. Not Rapunzel. Let the hair down, Rapunzel. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Um, as I was saying, um, yeah, you're seeing all these bodies jacked up and you're just like, and more time, some people have the ability to grow huge muscles because of genetics that does play into it. And of course, some people just started the gym very early. Mm. Um, and so seeing this, and then you compare it to yourself in the mirror, you think I'm not enough, whatever, whatever. But what pisses me off the most, and I'm gonna just rant about this very quickly, <laughs> is that there are so many PTs who are like, oh, you know, we're PTs or we'll do this, we'll help your body. But did you, why are you not telling anybody that you've taken five steroids, <laughs> six steroids, and that's why your arms are that big? 
and that's why your body's that big and now you're lying then that you can help your clients but yeah. no you can't help your clients to get to the point that you are at because they're not taking stories like you did yeah so it's such a facade but don't you think it's crazy that these pts know that everyone wants to look like them. Mm -hmm. Don't you think it's crazy that there's just one standard? It's a chain reaction. And just one standard body type that's acceptable. That that in itself is crazy. It's a lot, that's isn't a it? a huge problem. A huge issue, especially when it comes to dysmorphia, especially as a woman. Like you spoke about in your book in that chapter that I was able to read exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the lingerie shoots. Yeah. And you know, your hair and people giving you all, you know, these, orders in a very authoritative manner yeah um were you the only one that not you weren't the only one that felt that way but it's like were you able to pick up on other people feeling that way like you did yeah uh because you also had overheard conversations of people not even eating yeah for yeah. too long definitely i think that little section um in that chapter i remember i the way i worded it i was like really angry like there was just a little there was a little space where i felt like i had thin privilege hmm. so to be writing and be like oh i felt insecure i felt this i remember i was like how did i felt angry that hmm. i felt that way because i was like here i am someone with thin privilege talking about body issues i felt so silly to even be writing that in the book so um the section you're referring to is i went with photo shoot um hmm. it's a brand it was lingerie and i absolutely lingerie shoots really my agents oh my god i hate them so much i hate mm. posting lingerie pictures and videos i absolutely mm. hate them and that day we had a shoot and some of the models were having conversations i was minding my own business because they were models i was just there as talent um i was there like an influencer talent and they were actual models mm, so and comparing even more yeah yeah and they were like they were talking between themselves remember i was i was holding food in my hand because i was and um, they were like, yeah, I stopped eating yesterday at 4 p.m. Not 4 p.m. And I was I was on the shoot. It was midday at this point and they looked great. And I was stood there and I, it just, I remember them just like looking at me and looking at the food in my hand and just in shock of like, are you really going to eat that? Mm. And the whole experience. And I think I even, there was a section I mentioned like, the photographer taking a picture and how I referenced it as stealing secrets because with each click it felt like he was showing the world everything that I was hiding mm. because we've learned to post pictures that are airbrushed that have been run through so many apps and now here is someone who is taking my picture is not going to airbrush it and is going to put it out and even though I should have been like happy and be like, yeah, like accepting normal bodies and this is normal and this is normal because of the society we live in, I didn't feel like that. Mm. And I was angry that I didn't feel like that. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was important to write. I think it was very important to write. And then also speaking about influencer events, I don't actually go to many because yeah. I just can't bother. Oh, they are boring. I just can't be <laughs> bothered, man. Like I just, the, you get the... PR, they send you stuff or invites or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, cool. I just dismissed the email because I'd rather just stay at home with my friends yeah. or go to my friends. Because when you go to these events, you have to put on a persona. You do. Or, you know, you have a lot of people speaking to you. You don't want to say anything wrong or, you know, come off in a negative way because then they will speak and run their circles around it. And it's just a lot 
for you to do mm. and then especially you know when you um I am quite visual. So when you were writing about how other people were saying stuff on a table, like the other girls were like, oh, you know, the trolls or the blackfishing, whatever. I could, I just pictured people in my head. That's so funny because everyone who's read that chapter has said that like, it's so vivid yeah. the way I write. It's um, very vivid, as especially someone like me who is very visual. Yeah, that's just how I learn. Yeah. Like I don't have no. When I interview people, they're like, "Oh, Mara, at the end of the interview, they're like, Mara, you didn't, you don't, you don't have any questions on you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm not seeing you. I'm like I've written it all, but I've remembered it in a chain of events visually, yeah, yeah. and that's just how I am. So I remember that that part. It was very vivid, the way the way you wrote it, and relatable. Again, I've seen so many girls uh, who are blackfishing. <laughs> there were so many, even on even a, a few from Love Islands. <laughs> And I know that there are names that you may know that I may know as well, and you guys may know as well that there are girls. It's like you don't even need the thing is I don't know why people girls are white girls specifically are blackfishing because you look beautiful. Yeah. You don't need to do that. Yeah. Like you look great. So why are you darkening your skin so much to the point where it just looks odd? Yeah. I will never understand. Yeah. And then then uh, you got up with your drink and you walked away. I was laughing at that. <laughs> I know that's your, I know you want and, and I feel like you're I can tell you're very reserved as well and you think more than you speak. Like I feel like cuz partially I'm also like that as well. So when you're seeing and hearing this nonsense, you're probably yeah. just getting up and walking away. <laughs> but let me just leave this dinner. Like how do you like react to stuff like that when you see it at make i'm sure you're going to many events when you came out of the show yeah, and of yeah. course that's naturally you know you're you choose not to go to many yeah how do you how did you initially respond to stuff like that or did you just I always think, walk away i think that moment was the first time that i was because you see someone black fishing you you don't really go up to them and be like hey you're black fishing you know what i mean <laughs> you don't really you, know, you, <laughs> you see it a lot but you don't really do you ever go to someone right. and have that specific conversation with them but that at that event it was different because the conversation was being had around the table and because i was the only black person at that event they looked at me for <clears throat> validation mm. it wasn't a oh um educate us about black fishing and why we shouldn't be doing it it was oh tell me i'm not doing it right mm. you know it was a different type of conversation and that's why i chose to walk away in that instant and that's why i wrote it the way i did because then you could hear what i had to say in my head that i didn't say to that person mm. because that's how i felt so writing it that way is like i hope if you are black fishing and you do <laughs> read this chapter you can educate yourself yeah. on why because i think a lot of people when they think about black fishing they think about oh i'm trying to be black but that's no, not it's... it that <laughs> that is not it people take the literal um interpretation and say yeah well i'm not trying to be black but i think black fishing um there was like a quote that I put in that I really love. Obviously I can't remember, but it's like, I think it ends with, it's like, a, it's like racist love mm. because you choose what features you want to take from each race because black fishing is not just taking features from black women. You're taking features from like Asian women. You're taking mm. what you want to take while still remaining structurally white and like, you know, getting the benefits of being structurally white, but taking whatever features you want to play, mm. mixing it in like this little pot and just being this like racially ambiguous new person. Right. I think there's that specifically that a lot of white girl influencers do as well. And then they also, there's so many that I know of in terms of seeing on reality shows that they really like black men. Yeah. And then they fetishize them. Mm -hmm. And then 
or mixed race men, but specifically black men, and then they completely show so much attitude towards the, the black girls <laughs> and don't care about them, find them to be rude, annoying, and whatever. But when it comes to the black men, they're just in awe. And I just find that so annoying. Like, it's so disrespectful on both ends. Yeah. And I feel like that's also a lot that I see. So when you spoke about blackfishing and other stuff, it made me think of other issues as well that I've seen on reality TV shows and yeah. in experiences um, in terms of events or whatever. So it not only is it relatable, but it really makes you sit back and think about different things that really relate. So I mean, that there were, that's what I mean by layers. There's yeah. so many layers that even once you've read the chapter and closed the book, you're still thinking about other layers that's great so that is what like when i was reading it yesterday and then like reading it again i read it again this morning you? yeah not reading it twice i know i read it twice i read it twice <laughs> i was just like reading it through and whatever i was because i read it quite fast i was reading it and then it just and then you're like you're you've closed the chapter now and you're on the tube or like in the taxi whatever and you're just thinking about it again yeah like certain layers oh you think oh this this is what you want to talk about but then what about this as well and then this happens well and this happens it's like a tree yeah a branch for me so it, it came to so much yeah so i just thought that was very intriguing in terms I of I love that you have like open tabs because all the little open tabs are like answered in other chapters. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever get writer's block? Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I'll never oh. I don't think anyone actually knows the struggle. Like I feel I remember messaging my editor and saying there needs to be a support group for writers. Mm. Surely there actually has to be a support group where you just go out you vent because it was hell there was days that like i would sit in the office for nine to twelve hours and nothing probably write really? five words at the max and i'd be so frustrated and there was days that like i would leave the office walk around the block and just cry mm. because i was on i had a deadline like apart from writing yeah, i had a full-time job <laughs> right you're walking around the block just crying yeah that is a lot <laughs> face mask on sad music mm. in my headphones sad music playlist cute sad music <laughs> and i would just cry because i felt like sometimes i needed to let out that frustration right and as a writer there's nothing worse than having writer's block because you don't know how to, i didn't know how to get over it mm. i just had to wait for either the time to pass or go out because sometimes i would go out and get inspo i remember i went out with my friend will and we were having dinner and i just I just had something and I asked the waiter to give me uh, a pen and a notepad and I was just writing and I still have that piece of paper because I keep it with me and I smile every time I read it and it was the opening of my friendship chapter and I just started writing in the restaurant and he thought I was crazy he came back and he was like what the fuck are you doing and sometimes it just comes like that yeah interesting yeah. Uh, uh yeah i get that in in a weird way i mean when i was very young 11 12 mm. i wrote a lot of poetry yeah, I know. Yeah, people are like, people get very like confused. Like, what? Well, you have poetry? Or oh, like, I'll give you a little exclusive. There is some poetry in my book. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Is it about a special someone? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Not a special someone. Please. <laughs> Looking out to the window, on the bed, moving your legs up and down, just writing your poetry. I'm screaming. That's what I just thought. Okay, come on, come on, poetry. Um, yeah, he's write a lot of poetry when I was a when I was a young kid. I remember. I think I had a very rough childhood, mm. so subconsciously I used to write a lot. Yeah, and that was my way of pouring out. And I think to myself now, why was I doing that all the time? And I used to write songs and poetry. And if I ever got writer's block, I remember one time I was in the toilet and randomly my writer's block went, and I was just writing on the um, piece of tissue paper. 
Yeah. Like, because back in the day, like, I had like, what, Sony Ericsson, you couldn't, can't really be writing notes on that. <laughs> but like, I was writing on toilet paper so much and I just couldn't stop. And I was thinking, when it just comes, it just comes. Yeah. If you ever have writer's block yeah. here and there. But of course, the book is very different to poetry now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not Shakespeare, but still, like, a book is very, very different. So, Reclaiming. 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 I think it was, I think it was a great name. How did that name come about? Ugh. Hours and hours of meetings. And I think what happened was we had a spreadsheet mm. and we would, for two weeks, we would throw in loads of names. So it was me, my editor and my book agent mm. in the spreadsheet. And we threw in different names for, I'm pretty sure I've really, one day on my stories, I'll probably just put a screenshot of what it would have been called. Um, and we put it in for three weeks and I didn't jump at reclaiming. I actually didn't come up with the name um i can't remember what names i threw in they were obviously really bad that's why we take habit um but <laughs> something about i like i something about it no it was initially it was called reclaim right okay reclaim and then i didn't like it as it was and then i was like oh what about what about reclaiming hmm. and we weren't sure and we pondered on it for a couple of days and we came back and everyone was like no like it makes sense um and when I was writing the book, it made so much sense. Because what we said was, if we put out reclaiming, and when you were writing the book, they said to me, if you feel like you needed to change it, what we can do is we could add on to like the name reclaiming. Interesting. So when I started writing the book, um, and you'll see it in a few chapters, especially my racialized renaming and other chapters, I end up using the word reclaiming a lot of times in the book and it made sense. It just made sense because obviously you just there's like a thread. Yeah. You're writing yeah. it a lot. Yeah. You did talk about dilution of culture. Yeah. And I want to head back to that because that is very important. Like, I find it hard to cook some of my like ethnic food. Yeah. And then you're really? passing that down. Yeah. You're passing that down to, to and it's so bad. Yeah, yeah. And even my Arabic is like shway shway, which means a little. So my Arabic isn't even that great. <laughs> so that in itself is a big problem as well. So yeah. do you, I'm sure you do deal with dilution of culture, but like how do you combat that? I think for me, I, through the years, <laughs> not me using my title of my book, I've learned to reclaim. Plan <laughs> <laughs> that. She planned that. She planned that. <laughs> I've learned to reclaim a lot of it back because I think I, it started first with language. Mm. Because I used to say to myself, like, oh my God, imagine like getting married and having kids if I did have kids and if I did get married, that my children, I wouldn't be able to speak to them in in Yoruba. I would, I, like centuries going down, I would dilute, I'd be diluting the culture. A lot of people now in the UK and in Ireland, a lot of Nigerians who are Yoruba, don't know how to speak the language. Hmm. Like I've met someone who have said, oh no, I don't understand it at all. And I found it mind blowing. Yeah, I found it crazy. Can you imagine in two, 300 years time, it's so what, bad. What it would be like. It's so bad for so our generation. Sad. It's really sad. Because the eth- our, um, our mothers and fathers, they moved countries. Yeah. So they had that with them because they were born there. Yeah. Um, but for us and future generations, it's mm. really, really bad. So I've um, I've started mixing my English. Now when I'm speaking to my friends who are Nigerian and who are Yoruba and understand the language, I've started mixing my English mm. with Yoruba to get me used to speaking the language. I can understand it fluently. There's nothing you can say that I won't understand. Um, but speaking, completely different. 
complete mm. genre. Um, genre. But now, <laughs> but now I have started mixing it with my English. Um, cultural foods, I'm really good at cooking it. I eat a lot of Nigerian dishes. Amazing. Absolutely love them. Amazing. Um, my friends used to laugh at me because I actually used to hate, I hate eating like European food. They're like, you can't take you anywhere. That's, that's refreshing. <laughs> it's really um, refreshing that you don't like European food. No, I don't. Because everybody out here is doing that pasta and burger. Oh, it's not for me. <laughs> Every day. Every day, quick fry, burger, fish and chips. No, sorry. And although I love fish and chips, there obviously are many other things. I've never eaten, I haven't eaten fish and chips since I've been here. I love fish and chips. I don't know what people's problem is with fish and chips, you know. My only issue is that sometimes they batter it in beer and I don't drink alcohol. So I have to ask them to take the beer out because why must everything be in alcohol? I don't understand. That's crazy. Like it's just, and even the word alcohol is an Arabic word. Did is it? Know? I yeah. didn't know that. It's an Arabic word, even though we don't even drink alcohol. It's just, if and even in our, our culture, we don't cheers. Because there's no word for it. Okay. So we don't we don't actually cheer. It's just very... I don't know why I'm talking about that. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going off. But like, but just yeah. culture and like yeah. and just in, intriguing stuff. Now, we're going to put Reclaim In to a side. Put that to a side. And not only is he one day a content creator and an author, but she is a radio TV presenter as well. Oh <laughs> like, I feel like you've done so well since you can't the show. You've been very... Um, <laughs> you know, accomplished. Yeah. Um, not to me to add fuel to the fire of this rat race, because I feel like there's such a rat race, you have to compare everything and et cetera, yes. et cetera. It's really, really bad. Yeah. And even if you want to go home after Love Island and call it a day and not see anyone, mm-hmm. absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people, including me, used to put up this, oh, this person's doing this, why isn't this doing that? And it's yeah. such an unhealthy discussion yeah. to have. Um, but a whole radio TV presenter with Will, I love Will. I love him. He's such a he's such a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, but he's so annoying sometimes. <laughs> we went to the BAFTAs after party, and can you believe he left me to go where? I do not know. <laughs> I was the last person at the venue, and then he calls me at ten forty-five in the morning. Did you get home okay? <laughs> I could have been well, dead. This guy must have gone to like five <laughs> after parties after the BAFTA after party. This guy is busy on books. I could have been dead. Oh, well, no, he's annoying, but I love him. But yeah, we have a Capital Extra radio show um, podcast, which is great because I want to start presenting. So having that show is probably um, the best like... Foothold. Yeah, to, you know, to test the waters, get my foot in there. Um, and we've got to interview like amazing people. Um, which helps when you know it's capital extra people do kind of say yes <laughs> yeah, I can imagine but interviewing on the show how did the shame come about so me and Will have been friends for a long time actually mm. um, and we are on the phone all the time and we're always laughing talking and he was like we should actually do a podcast right and I was like no i was like who the hell are, who the hell's gonna buy that like who who are we going to present this to right and he was like leave it with me like he was like no i think i can sell this a capital extra um and then he did he came back we had meetings after meetings and they were like yeah we want to do this and i said oh, if you um, say so not with magic hand yeah do you enjoy good. interviewing other people as well like was it a challenge at first 
at first I was so nervous because obviously Will has so much like presenting. Right, there's a, a difference. Oh, there is a huge difference. He's like here and I'm like But here. I guess that balances it out. It does, um, it does. And it depends on what guest we have because he's really good when it comes to like reality TV. Like he's right. really good at interviewing guests like that. But I'm really good at interviewing um, like people in like pop culture like mm. in the music scene um i'm more comfortable and i think i know a few of the guests as well on the personal level so it's easier it's like having a conversation right it's fluid yeah it's right. fluid um but yeah it's a it's a nice it's a nice balance as well but i really enjoy speaking to people it's different and you learn a lot from speaking to different type of people um and i like presenting Right, I think it definitely suits you. Like I've seen some of the interviews on YouTube when it gets suggested and everything. And I feel like it's just both of you fit well. Oh, thank you. And I feel like that is very important to a yeah, show that you're is. just going like... Up and down. Up and down. Like, <laughs> not, not as up and down, but as in you're both have different energies. Yeah. And when you come together, it definitely fits. So I think you definitely had a great idea. Yeah. And I feel like you two are doing well. So you, you've had clothing collections come out. I have. You've had, you know, this book that's dropped. You have a radio. To, like, you just seems to be very, very busy with what you're doing. Um, do you have anything else in store or are you keeping it very locked in? I do, but I'm keeping it locked in. It's something that I've, I've been working on for a really long time. Oh, not a long time. No, like this is a long okay, time. Sounds... And it's something that I'm doing myself. It's like my own first like solo project. And it was very important for me to do it on my own because I think in this industry, like everyone wants to have a piece of you and everyone wants mm. to do something with you. Um, and I suppose if we're being honest, it's all about money. Like everyone mm. wants a piece of you so they can make as much money off you as possible. Um, and I think I was just like, fuck that shit. <laughs> and I was mm. just so sick of it. And I wanted to do something that was mine. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna be starting something, a little little project. I don't wanna say when because dates are always changing. Right, But it right. will be soon-ish, soon-ish. Um, the book took a lot of my time, so I kinda of had to put it on hold. Um, but now we're back working. It's gonna be announced soon-ish. Um, and I'm excited for it. I feel like you just give the it like it girl vibes. Do I stop? Like it. you do. I feel like <laughs> no, I'm thinking about it now. Even when you were on your show, I just feel like people were always talking about you. Like all the islanders had different opinions about you and different stuff. And I'm just like everybody is just it's given obsession. That's what it's oh given. God, do you know what song came into my head? Do you know Britney Spears? You want a piece of me? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I love that song. Same. And the way she was just like in casual wear. She wasn't even in like amazing. Just like topped her head up with sunglasses and was just doing. That's why I felt like it was. But when even when it come back to like Love Island stuff to an extent. But I just feel like everybody just wanted to talk about you. It was a piece of you. It was just given obsession. Like Mariah Carey, why are you so obsessed with me? That's what it was really giving me. Where people had their own theses, like their home flipping PhDs on like points of what you should have done or what should have happened. And there were other islanders as well, I believe, or other people who would refuse to say your name or, you know, go on their lives and joke around and whatever. And I'm just like, everybody is just obsessed. <laughs> they just clearly you have the it factor when it comes to Love Island and we just post that. And I feel like you've done so well for yourself. You. So you should definitely be proud of yourself. I feel like you look stunning as well. And to be honoured with the presence of you one day. Not the Fiala. presence. Not I'm honoured to be sitting here. Yeah, I know. When I was saying you one day, babes, was any part of you thinking this guy does not shut up? Like, <laughs> this guy does always... No, if I, I had this one more time... <laughs> 
I loved it because other people started saying at first it was just you, but when other people started saying, I said, "This is a movement." Yeah, like, this is a whole ass. You were the first islander where I did like catchphrases, and now that has I'm started saying other catchphrases for other islanders as well. <laughs> but you were the first, baby. Woo! Don't let me hang in. You Not were the, the first. first. You were the first. Your one day was the first when it comes to actually creating. <laughs> and name for you and everything and everybody started saying it and it just that was like the first season that I started reviewing properly and I just felt like you it was just it was a movement I enjoyed it I enjoyed you on the show and thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me like like it was amazing like I think it was a good this was a good interview I feel like it's gone on how has it been over an hour Jesus Lord an hour and a half guys with Miss Yuande Biala thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me I appreciate it. And guys, the book Reclaiming is out now. Do you understand? When we say out now, we should like just drop the lights. <laughs> just like, like we're on X Factor. It's out now, guys. The link is in the Fable bio. To pre-order. Pre-order. Pre-order the book, guys. Is it so only, important. only on Amazon or is it on other? It's on Amazon. It's going to be on Eason's, Waterstone, WH Smith, literally. Amazing. I will so send you the link tree. Send me the whole link tree. Yeah. And then I'll put that in the bio below. So if you don't have Amazon, Plenty get Amazon who doesn't have Amazon in right 2022 though. I know that's crazy it is actually crazy <laughs> but have you been in do you, do you go to bookshops um, I used to go to Waterstones a lot when I was a kid I used to go to Easton's but Easton's is in Ireland right I used to go to Easton's a lot your accent is still very strong really yeah oh, I don't think so you I don't think what do people say it isn't if people say that it's um, it's watered down a little bit no I don't think it's watered down at all I don't feel like you sound that different to when you're on the show Really? Yeah. Oh, but I you want to say like true. Or, like, but it's mad because then when I go to Ireland and I'm speaking to my friends, I hear it's str- like it, it gets stronger. Right. That makes sense. That makes complete sense. Like you just start saying different words. Or yeah. Whatever, or English is this. There's an Irish black guy thing on this new season. Yes, there is. Yeah. His name is Dami. Yeah. I think. So that's going to be intriguing as well to see. Um, but I, I just love the Irish accent. Yeah. Yeah, I actually do. It's an Irish accent. A lot accent. of people do. Huh? But I don't. It depends. It depends where in Ireland you go. Some mm. places don't have the best. Screaming. Accents. Not what would you say the best accent in the UK? Um, and Ireland. I, in, in, in the UK, I actually like, I like London, but I know it's split up. There's a lot There's of different. There's too many in London. Yeah. But I think the, the, the generic London accent is really nice. Right. In Ireland... Dublin is nice, but depends where in Dublin you go to. Right. And you're from Dublin? No, I'm from Meath. Meath. Okay. Yeah, I'm Sorry, from Meath. I have no idea what Meath is. Yeah. I, I, know. I think okay, if you're like near like D4, like Dunboyne and stuff, like it's a really nice right. accent. But if you go down to, personally for me, do not attack me. If you go down to like the Tala and like the city centre in Dublin, I think it's a bit too strong for oh me. really yeah. <laughs> interesting interesting well before we go guys we're gonna just run with this story by the way before we go guys you want to oh cookies? my god yeah. yeah so what happened was i got out of the station i went to a store called i can't remember and she loved like, me and bought cookies the end guys <laughs> <laughs> that's the story yeah, basically <laughs> basically she's like Murad, wow here's the cookies <laughs> oh my days no but tell the story please so I went to the store to actually just pee um, and I came out of the bathroom and some, God, that's a big cookie. That is huge. Some guy was Who like, took a bite oh. out of it? 
<laughs> use it. Yeah, <laughs> some guy was like, "Here, here's some food," and I was like, "No, I didn't order anything. I'm, I'm, I just went to the toilet." And he was like, "No, you have to take them because if you don't take them, we'll throw it away. It's for you." And I just didn't want him to throw it in the bin, so I was like, "Okay, I'll take it." I just can't go over that. And here we are. Cookies for you. You were meant to be here. <laughs> this is destined. Not cookies for you. That was so funny. And brownies too. Oh, did he give you brownies? Yeah. Mm. Do you like brownies? No. Oh, the way you're saying it, I thought you liked it. No, for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, you one day. I really appreciate it. <laughs> okay, the sound engineer guy is sick of me. Like, so let me wrap this up. But anyways, guys, you one day babes. Can you just say it for me, please? You one, one day, day babes. babes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for grace with your presence. Coming on the Marad Marai podcast. Daily and consistent, guys. Inject it. The new season of Love Island's coming on soon. And you reclaiming the book, you can pre-order it now. The links are below. Please go and get it. I would appreciate it. That chapter that I read was amazing. And there's oh, so many more. So definitely go and pre-order. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, honestly. No worries. Anytime you want to. And we'll catch you guys soon for another podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs> can you sing? Can I sing yeah. a little bit? Can you actually? I mean, Wait, no, no, <laughs> don't even try to stop that. <laughs> one day you can you can sing. I can, yeah. Okay, say my name. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> I, I know it's no, not, not my name. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> not my name. Not like that. But the song Destiny Child. Can you sing that? I mean, reclaim it. Say my name. I am like, not you know. singing on this podcast. Can you imagine? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, the first thing you were thinking about singing. No, I was not. Not really? on this podcast. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> really? Yeah.